I was actually asked to speak in December for January. And about a week after I was asked, um, I was pretty excited. I had some ideas that were compelling, I thought. I thought it would be an invitation to some introspection and a deepening with your walk with Jesus. And within a week of that invitation, I had three people, significant people in my life, that went to be with the Lord. And the Sunday that I was scheduled to be here, I was actually at a funeral in Arizona saying goodbye. And that was the beginning of a time of finding my feet again. And as 2021 has unfolded for me, it seems in general I hear this voice in my head all the time going, what in the world is going on? I just can't make sense of things. And it's been the case for me when I've had people that I love pass on. <clears throat> or other things that have happened. Their impact in my life is revealed by the absence of their presence. And it unfolds over time. Things are revealed to me more subtly. So today, this isn't the compelling and introspective oration you would have gotten in January. I found myself reaching for more simple and for me more basic and primary things to keep me on track. Stars I realize that I'm steering by. It's more a collection of thoughts. I don't have any answers for you today. Um, but I hope you'll find these useful as you navigate your own course. So since January, I found myself singing my Sunday school songs under my breath, mostly humming because I'm not known for my great singing abilities. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, I am weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. And those times that I just, like, where am I? And then, at all of the services I've been to, I found myself singing, he's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole wide world in his hands, he's got Tom and Dave and Margaret in his hands, he's got all those fighting COVID in his hands, he's got all those who've been laid off in his hands, he's got the sanctuary in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. As I've been singing, it hasn't always felt true. And I ask God to make my experienced reality so that I can believe it. Do you really have the whole world in your hands? And it led me to my first star. My first star is kind of weird. I'm probably the only person that would gravitate toward this. But the first star I've been holding on to is being God's, be on God's side, be for him and serve him. And it takes me to Joshua 15, 13, where it says this. Once, when Joshua was by Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing before him with a drawn sword, and he said to him, are you one of us or are you one of our adversaries? And the man replied, neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. And he said to him, what do you command your servant, my Lord? 
the commander of the army said to Joshua, remove your sandals, for the place that you stand is holy ground. So I've been removing my sandals and trying to remember wherever God is is holy ground, and God's in me. But there is a lot of, are you on my side, happening today. There's a lot of canceling going on. There is a lot of fear happening. And something happens inside of me as I practice three things, saying neither and no. I am part of the Lord's harmony. I am not against anybody, but I am for God. And then I ask, what do you want me to do? What is your command for me? And then I worship. That's it. I wish there was more about that passage in the Bible, but that's all that there is in every version that I read. Kept looking for something like, well, what else happened? And who was this guy? And what did Joshua do? But that's it. So I keep standing for God, recognizing I'm holy ground. And then in standing, it takes me to Ephesians. And it's where I find the armor for standing. As I was preparing for this, I realized something that I hadn't thought before by one of my favorite verses. In verse 13 of Ephesians 5, or Ephesians 6, I'm sorry, it's beginning at 10, but verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, before he even tells you what it is, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day. Not that evil person, on that evil day, when things are just pounding you because there is an evil world, will that exists in this world. And having done everything that you know, then simply stand. And stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on shoes of peace. Take up the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation and take it. And, and put wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. Standing is hard for me, and sometimes it feels like fighting to others. I'm not taking their side, and that seems to be a challenge or a conflict to them, and I just keep asking, what do you want me to do? I keep worshiping, because when I'm with God, it's holy ground. My next star came, so the first star is before God. Second star is, comes from Isaiah 43, where the Bible says this, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. No matter what happens to you or to me, we are God's. He created us and formed us. So know who you are. This is particularly poignant for me because several years ago, um, many of you know I was part of the Cross Ministry Group. I helped start the women's side of it, and I attended an alumni event. And at the end of that event, the final um, activity was to take a white stone. And they had white stones for all of us. And we were to take this, and we were to pray over it, that verse in Revelations where it says, God has written your name on a stone. So I'm praying, and, I'm, and then we were supposed to paint our name on the stone. What is God's name for you? 
and I'm praying and I'm praying and I just get this weird word. Everybody else is coming up, I'm peace, you are strong, you are this. My word was mine. You are mine. This was years before January 2021 happened. But when it did, and God said, I have called you by name and you are mine. I knew it was true because he didn't just say it when I needed it. He prepared me for it beforehand. I'm mine. I'm his. So don't fear because nothing changes that. Nothing that's happened to you, nothing that's going to happen to you is going to change that. And Romans 8, 38, Romans 8, 38 through 39 tells us that. You probably all know it. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things in the present, nor things to come, no powers on the earth, and nothing or any other created thing can separate us from God. We're His. When we lose sight of that, and we become more separated from God, <clears throat> we step into the illusion that we aren't God's, that He's forgotten us, and we use the bruising and the evidence of our experience to say that it's true. But have you ever noticed that when you meet most people, I don't go up to them and I say, hi, I'm Jolene and I'm abused and I'm broken and I'm, I'm stubborn and I'm proud and uh, people have used me. I tell them my name. And most people start with their name. The trouble comes when we begin to confuse what has happened to us, that it means something about us or it's who we are. And as Peter was praying in that, that beautiful meditation, we start hearing things like, I'm not worthy, I'm not loved, I'm a victim of rape, I'm abused, I'm cursed, nothing ever works out for me. That's one of my big ones. God has forgotten me and he hates me. Be careful about being renamed. It's an illusion, even when it feels real. I've experienced a bombardment of naming over the last few months, whether it's political parties, social group, race, gender, non-gender, masker, hoaxer, vaccinated, non-vaccinated, privileged, oppressed. Beware of receiving somebody else's name or label. I was going to ask you the title of this, but Peter did a great sermon years ago on who do you let name you? And if you have an opportunity, it's worth going back and listening to again. But also, be careful about naming other people. It's kind of human nature. We always want to know where we stand with people. Remember, like, are you for me or against me? It's kind of normal. We want to know. But beware about naming others. 1 Samuel 6, 16, 7b, not 7a, but 7b, says... God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks to the heart. I'm going to have Sasha play a clip right now. It's from The Shack. I think it's the pitiful part of the movie in this section, and it's a little bit of a long clip, so bear with me. But Mac has been called for a meeting with wisdom, which is just another name for God. And he's speaking to wisdom, and he's there for judgment.
I supposed to judge? Well, there must be at least a few who are to blame for all the pain and suffering in the world, right? What about the selfish, the greedy, those who harm others, murderers, drug dealers, terrorists, guilty? Yeah. What about men who beat their wives? Here, what did you say? Or fathers who beat their sons to alleviate their own suffering? Let's not do this. Should that man be judged? Yeah. I don't. What about this boy? What about him? Would you judge him? He's a kid. But you already have. That boy is your father. Now, what about the man who preys on innocent little girls? Daddy! Daddy! Okay, that's Is that man guilty? I would damn him to hell. And what of his father? The man who twisted him into this deviant monster? I would damn him to How can you stop there? Doesn't the legacy of brokenness go all the way back to Adam? And what about God? Isn't he at fault? He set all this in motion. Especially if he knew the outcome. Do you want me to say it? Absolutely. God is to blame. Well, if it's so easy for you to judge God, you must choose one of your children to spend eternity in heaven. The other will go to hell. Can't. Can't do what? I'm only asking you to do something you believe God does. So? Who will go to hell? You could just escape. She said some pretty hurtful things. She shuts you out. You're not even sure if she loves you anymore. Or you could choose Josh. He's being disobedient, sneaking out. Lying to you? You didn't know that. Mackenzie, make your choice. I won't do this anymore. I can't do this. Can't do what? I can't. I won't. You must. This isn't a game. You have to. You know what? This isn't fair. You must. It isn't fair. 
I'll go in their place. You, you, you leave my kids alone and you take me. Mackenzie. You've judged your children worthy of love. Even if it costs you everything. God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Judge others as worthy of love and see what happens. In Galatians 3, 26 through 28, Paul reminds us of the truth. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Remember the armor? There is now no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. The external things that are used to separate us are nothing. But can we dare to believe it? Can I dare to believe it? Remember, God has called you mine and everyone else too, even if they don't know it yet. As believers, we are the church everywhere we go. Live up to your name, mine, and invite others to find mine in themselves. The next star addresses my question, what in the world is going on? And God has said to me, look at the fruit. Now this banana looked a lot better even just an hour ago when it left my house. But look at the fruit. Galatians 5, 19, 20, 19 through 21 says this. Here's the fruit of the flesh. For the... <clears throat> 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, and envying one another. Those are all things we can see and look for that tell us what's going on. Likewise, the fruits of the Spirit are, are found in verse 22 through 25. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law, there is no law against such things. Look for the fruit, it's easy to see. You don't have to judge it, you don't have to understand why, you don't have to make sense of it. Become observant. <clears throat> I don't know, several years ago there was a young man and I wasn't able to find his name even though I own his little book called The Last Lecture. 
He was a young man. He was a professor at a college back east. And he was diagnosed with a strange and untreatable form of cancer. And at his college, when a professor would retire, they would allow them to give one last lecture to deliver all of their wisdom. And as he was dying, they invited him to do that as well. When he got to what he would say to his children, he had one young daughter. She was three or four at the time. And he said, if I could tell my daughter anything, when that first boy says to you, I love you, quit listening to everything that he says and watch everything that he does. Because if he really loves you, he'll never have to say it again and you'll know it through everything that he does. And if he doesn't, you'll know the fruit. Don't be tricked by what he says. Maya Angelou has a great quote that says, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. It's really hard when we love someone to believe their humanity. And that's why we have to judge them as worthy of love, but we don't have to engage in some of their fruit. We can take a step back and we can still love. You know, this banana, I'm not a big banana person at my house. My mother is. I buy bananas for her. I don't know if she'd eat this or not. She might. Some people would make banana bread with it. Is it edible or not edible? I don't know. But God does. In correlation to fruit, I'd, I'd send you to Proverbs. Proverbs is all about wise people, simple people, foolish people. In my experience, as I've been studying for the last few years, foolish people often have bad fruit, fruits of the flesh. They are angry, they are contentious, they are divisive, they are hurting. But become familiar with the characteristics of them because in Proverbs, and also when you watch Jesus, he has different strategies depending on who he's dealing with. None of them are necessarily unloving, but they're different. He doesn't treat everyone as wise. I think sometimes, at least in my practice, I've seen people who, out of love and wanting good things, they treat everyone as wise and they keep believing and they keep getting abused and they keep getting hurt and they keep having their bank accounts emptied. They keep having their bodies bruised for things that aren't of God. It's okay to steward yourself, it's okay to love yourself, but it's, it's good to know who you're dealing with. So util, utilize strategy appropriate for each type of person, and we become simple when we treat everyone as wise. In the last point I said, judge other people as worthy of love, and we can, but it doesn't, trust, it doesn't necessarily translate that they are moving towards love. But Jesus instructs us in Matthew 10, 16, to be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. Oh, that one's hard for me. Once again, there's not a whole lot more instruction except for like the rest of the Bible. But it's hard. It's hard to be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. God meets us in our realities, not in our illusions. Discerning fruits that we are dealing with will let us know, first, what we are dealing with, fleshy fruit, 
and the evil one are fruits of the spirit and godly people. And Proverbs can be a guide into who we are dealing with and to what strategies to use. The last star that's been helpful to me is to focus on my own growth. In John 21, 20, we hear this exchange between Jesus and Peter after they've gone through the, do you love me, feed my sheep? Do you love me, feed my sheep? Do you love me, feed my lambs? And Jesus is talking about, to Peter about the kind of death he'll die. And then Peter says, sounds a lot like Jolene Miller, when Peter saw him, John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Don't compare yourself to other people. Look to where Jesus is calling you and be more like him. Look where he's calling you to grow. One tool for this is the word. This is your friend. It says the word was with God and the word was God. Know it, it, it will help you. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says that the, well, I should just read it. I'm not gonna do that because I'm running out of time. It says that the word is useful for instruction, edification, exhortation, encouragement. It's really a useful thing. <clears throat> the word Jesus desires to know you and to be known by you. And Psalm even says that God will instruct us through the watches of the night while we're asleep, which is probably good because there's less arguing. You don't even have to work that hard. He is willing to step towards you to do it. Focusing on yourself, develop your own spiritual practices that keep you close and connected to God. Prayer, contemplation, come to church. Be church, gathering with other believers and let God shape you and polish you into your true self. It will take you your whole lifetime to mature, but don't grow weary of doing good. So, four things. Be on God's side. And when you live in God's presence, everywhere is holy ground. Ask what you should do. Know who you are. You're mine. And remember, so is everyone else. Look for the fruit. Be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Focus on your own growth and your own journey and let God direct you. Let go of comparing and judging. Develop fruit. Know who you are. Judge other people as worthy of love. These are stars that will change you. I don't know how. And I don't know what it will look like in your life, but that's part of the adventure that God is inviting you to come on, and it's good. And as we do this together, as part of the church, and as part of the sanctuary, our little special portion of the larger church, we'll change our communities, we'll change each other, and we'll step into partnering with God in his plan for us. As Peter prayed, and as Jesus said on the night he was betrayed, take and eat of me. His brokenness, our brokenness, 
other people's brokenness. As we feed it to him, he breaks himself for us and makes us bigger and stronger and more who he designed us to be. And as he took the wine, he said, drink of this, this is my blood shed for you. It's the forgiveness of sins. When he does this, he's really saying, become what you eat, which is me. There will be people up here to pray for you after the service if you need it. Even if you don't think you need it. Come forward and let us minister to each other so that we grow into who God designed us to be. Not just for you as a church, or not just you as a person, but us as a, a body. So that you can live your life in the holy ground that you are. So, Show us who you are, fill us with your heart, and lead us into the world in your love. Believe the gospel. It's good. Have a great week, everybody.